welcome everyone once again uh, here to Lord of Grace. Welcome again, everyone who is worshiping with us online. Um, I don't know how many of you have ever actually thought about opening your home up to strangers. Uh, it's one of those things that the Bible commands in multiple places that we, that we welcome the stranger. And I think it's one of those commands that where, you know, we don't usually throw out when we say, the Bible says, so therefore you should do it. Um, I know many people who, who will throw out a verse and say, the Bible says, and then I'll say, oh, so you have dinner with homeless people all the time? And they'll be like, well, yeah, but that one, without, that one doesn't really mean, doesn't really mean it, right? But that's what it says, Hebrews 13. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing that, some have entertained angels without knowing it. You know, I, I, I think when most of us hear this, we're kind of like, well, I mean, yeah, that's a nice idea. I mean, that sounds good on paper and all, but, you know, I mean, you, you don't know if those strangers are safe. You know, I was just watching a crime show. It's, it's bad to get hooked on crime shows because you start seeing crime everywhere. And sure enough, there was a guy, what did he do? Invited this homeless couple in, they'd been kicked out of somewhere, invited him in his house, everyone in the apartment building knew him as this good soul, he, they, they called him the good Samaritan, I'm like, well, you didn't really get your parables right, but, and what ended up happening? They got into a fight over the dog, the homeless guy shot him, it was like, that's the story I want told everywhere, because what's the moral of the story everyone's going to take away? Don't invite people into your house. Now, I mean, that stuff does happen. I'm not sure I would sit and recommend just go and invite people from the street to stay overnight in your house. I mean, the truth is you don't know if they're safe, and there hasn't been vetting, and there are unstable people out there, right? It, th that stuff does happen. But I think sometimes we can let the fear of that case get in the way of us doing basic hospitality in other ways that are a lot safer that we can get so paranoid that every stranger is out to get us. I mean, I'll tell you a story from my HOA. You know I love to talk about my HOA. They've really gotten a lot better. They, they really have. I'll give credit where it's due. They will still bust you if your garbage can is out past 8 a.m. on Friday morning. But, okay. Well, they were sitting talking uh, in their planning meeting about trying to build more neighborliness, more community. So they said, we should have a, like a community open house, neighborhood open house. And um, one of the people planning said, you can use my house. In invite the whole neighborhood over. We'll have a big thing out in the backyard. And, and as I'm getting this relayed to me, I'm thinking, oh, that, that sounds pretty nice. You know? It just, you know, and it doesn't seem to me terribly dangerous. You're not even having people in the house, right? Another woman got nervous. Well, what, who, how do we know who's going to show act, actually show up? Do we know they'll actually be neighbors? I mean, if it's on the website, if the date and time are on the website, are, are strange people going to come and then things will go missing from the house? I'm like, huh? And then she was worried. Well, if it's on the website and thieves know that this is when there's an, a, a community event, they'll case the neighborhood and rob us all blind. Well, we're all at the party. I'm thinking, man, you really watch too many of those crime shows. But you also don't understand how property crime works, right? 
I mean, how many thieves really sit there? I mean, just pick, you know, I'm sitting in my mind, I'm picturing like these two, you know, addicts sitting in their house going, oh man, I ran out of heroin, what am I going to do? Um, and his friend's like, dude, let's rob the Circle K. No, 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 that's too easy. The other one's like, man, let's go rob the Dollar Tree. I heard you can take 500 bucks before they'll get you. No, that's, no, don't do that. Let's get out our laptop and start doing a Google search of homeowners associations and find out who's got a party. Oh man, and then I'll find out when it is, and then I'll case the joint. Nobody will see me walking around, you know, shaking it, shaking. Nobody will notice at all. And then, then we'll rob them blind. And then in three weeks' time from now, we'll get our hit. I'm like, wow. I'm like, you're taking this fear thing a little bit far. I don't think anyone is casing the Casas Adobe's Terrace Homeowners Association website. That's not how they work. But this one person gets so nervous, so nervous, right? And that sometimes I think that, you know, we read these passages on hospitality, and we just, we, we can take them so literally that we say that, well, since I'm not going to invite random people off the street to stay overnight at my house, therefore the verse doesn't apply. So I'm not, I'm off the hook. Done. But that's really not all there is, and that there's really much more that they're talking about here when they're talking about hospitality than just that. Yes, it is, on the one hand, having people over to your house. And I think biblically this is very much how they understand it. That was a huge ethic back then, and it still is in large parts of the Middle East, that you entertain strangers. Now, there's also very much a code that if you violate that hospitality, you know, the whole, you know, that can start wars and stuff, right? And wars have been started in the Middle East over bad hospitality. So, yes, and it is true, there's also that story where Abraham, good old father Abraham, right, he's under the oaks of Mamre, and he's sitting under the oaks, and he's got his tent pitched, and three random guys show up, and they ask him for stuff, and, and Abraham entertains them. Well, actually, if you read the story, Abraham says, Sarah, go bake a bunch of food while I entertain them. Uh, Abraham was, you know, a Bronze Age guy and all. So it, it is part of it. It is part of it. I don't want to write that out. But you can invite people into your house, but the, what is the purpose? The purpose is you're inviting people into your life. And you can do that without necessarily having to be physically in a particular house. For example, someone's new at town. You got a new neighbor. You know, you want to welcome them. You don't know if they're safe. So what do you do? You say, why don't we go, I'll buy you a cup of coffee. We'll sit down and chat. But we won't do it at the Arizona Pavilion's Starbucks because they don't allow any indoor seating anymore. We'll have to go to the one up on Twin Peaks. And I'm still not bitter about this, am I? <laughs> so we'll go up to the Twin Peaks Starbucks. Oh, say it's a fairly safe place. There's cameras. People can see. You know, that's why people go there on, 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 on first dates, right? You know, I know he's a psycho, but at least we can, we can get to know him a little bit first, right? Or you got new neighbors. What you could do, you could host a block party in your driveway. I mean, unless you're worried they're going to case your garage. Oh, look at that mountain bike. I better come back here. Ooh, look at that random box of old memorabilia. 
But you could just have a, you could have a, you could have a block party. You could invite people over there in a in, you know, fairly neutral place. Or you could flip it, sort of reverse. Go to somebody else's place. Maybe they're more comfortable having you over, right, on their home turf. And, and then when you are where they are, then you can kind of learn a little bit more. Learn, learn, and after a while, you'll start to know what do people need, what are they looking for. For example, when you go to the shelter, you, know, you can just go to the shelter and, and you can serve, but you can also actually get to know the people. When I used to volunteer chaplain at the rescue mission years ago, um, we would come in on Wednesday, I had a Wednesday night rotation, but there was a chapel every night, and all these different preachers came in. I was the only Lutheran um, who came in, but they had a training session for us. I remember this training session, because the full-time chaplain, he sat down with all of us preachers and basically gave us the rundown of what, it's, you, know, what you need to know when you're preaching with guys who are homeless and, and off the streets. And, he, and one of the things he said was, you know, to a lot of these guys, you're just a talking head who comes in and disappears. You know, what a difference it would make if you actually came in and why don't you, you could get to know them. You could come in and have lunch. And I thought, I could do that. So I decided to, so on Thursday, I just showed up for lunch. And they were serving this soup. I'd never had this particular kind of soup. It had this kind of gelatinous stuff. And all the guys were looking at me as I'm eating this soup. And they're like, why are you eating the soup? And I'm like, I don't know. Tastes good, it's a little different. They go, it's called menudo. It's this cow stomach. I liked it. They didn't. Um, but I'm sitting there, I would sit there and I would sit and I'd chat with the guys, right? And, and some didn't want to talk. Some clearly were like, I am not talking to that guy. And I was always like, you know what? You're not here for me, so fine, I'll just sit here. It'll be long and awkward. But others, it was amazing. It opened up and just by listening, the things I would learn about life, life on the streets. The number of times I heard the story, some version of, my life was like this and I was successful at it and I did X, Y, Z and then drugs, boom, now I'm at the mission, you know? And um, I heard so many of those stories, amazing things that talented people, you know, the mission never had to hire computer techs. They had guys who worked there who would fix their computers, you know? And then this guy was like, yeah, I worked for Microsoft, drug, right? It was always that story, but the thing was, I was, by going to someone else's turf, I was inviting them into my life, but I was on their place. So hospitality isn't always just about the geographic location, right? It's, it's not always just, it's about having people be a part of your life, not just a part of, I guess, your property. And um, so what does Jesus say about hospitality? Let's, let's look at what Jesus says. We'll jump to Luke 14. He says, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. You know, you sit down and you read these Bible verses sometimes and and you know, I always ask my question, like, why does the creator of the universe care about luncheon etiquette? I mean, when did God become Dame Judy Dench? You know? How to have a lunch? Well, what's, what's, how is this spiritual? What is, what is God got, what's God's angle on this? Why does Jesus seem to be concerned about this? You know? Because 
Jesus knows the interpersonal politics of social functions. He understands that social functions are, can be tools for welcoming and also tools for excluding. And who gets to come to the luncheon and who doesn't, that can be a big deal. And it can make people wealthy and it can keep people poor. And when you invite someone in to your luncheon, it is in, in essence saying, you are valuable to me, your presence is valuable to me, I want to know more about you, I want you in my life. When you say, no, you can't come, you're saying the opposite. You're not valuable to me. You do not have a value that, gain, that I get out of it, so I'm excluding you. And I think we all, we all remember how this works. You know, I mean, maybe we're all thinking Downton Abbey and fancy teas, but the truth is every one of us went through high school. No, we haven't all gone through high school yet, but, right? How do they determine pecking order? Who sits at what table with who, right? At, and certain tables, or I even got into college. I thought, I, I thought we were done with that. One day I sat down at this table of this, like, popular fraternity, I was on foreign turf. I didn't realize that. So I, was, I thought as adults we had outgrown that. No, no. I learned my lesson real quick. But, you know, we all know that this is how it works, right? That, that invitations become tools of welcome and tools of exclusion. It's why, it's why as a country we've had to have laws to sit and force open a lot of these sort of private clubs. You know, country clubs were always the notorious ones, right? And, and, you know, they even used to have, like, blatant racist rules, you know, whites-only country clubs and stuff. And little by little, as a country, we've had to keep kind of prying these things open. Because, you know, we understand that, yes, it is about golf, but a lot of business gets done on those big leather chairs with those cigars. I don't know if that's actually how golf clubs are anymore. I haven't been to one in a long time, but that's the image, right? Giant leather chairs and old guys with big stogies and a room covered in, you know, green velvet and gigantic portraits of other old guys with big stogies. And, uh, all right, they're all sitting there and now everyone's having their, they, everyone's taking a puff. This one makes a deal. Oh, yeah, I can, I can get your son that job. Oh, yeah, I can get that contract. I know the mayor, right? I want to get into the country club so I can get contracts for my business. no. No, you're not welcome in, right? The, these, the, the inclusion and the exclusion of these clubs becomes a tool. And Jesus is going to his disciples and he's looking at his followers and he's telling them, he's going right to the heart of the system and he's saying, I want you to blow this up and do the opposite. I want my followers to not play this game. Jesus knows we have a natural bias towards people who are either like us or we think we'll get something from and he's saying to deliberately do the opposite and seek out relationships where you don't think you're going to get any return out of it. And he knows that all the people out on the streets, and in Jesus' day, they estimate maybe a quarter of the population lived on the street. You know? When the bottom fell out, that was it. A quarter of the, a quarter of the population was chronically ill and begging in Jesus' day. And he says, he knows all those people on the street, you invite a big banquet to them, you're not going to get a deal or a contract. You're not going to rise in social status. But the creator of the universe does not care about our social status. He loves everybody equally. 
The CEO and the pro athlete are no more valuable in God's eyes than somebody living under a bridge. They are, all, they are all loved. And so Jesus is telling his followers, I want you to go against this system. I want you to do the opposite. I want you to invite to your banquet everyone who cannot repay you. Find people and give them free food with no networking connections that are useful. Defy the trend. Use your hospitality to build up the lives of others. Don't participate in using friendships and connections as tool to exclude. And really, I mean, really, when you think about it, wouldn't you rather be in a community of people who want to be with you for who you are than people who you, where everybody's kind of angling to get something? To me, that never seemed like a friendship. That always seemed more like an alliance. You know, strategic alliance. Can, are you really friends if you're strategic allies? Wouldn't you rather just be friends with people who are friends? Where your relationships aren't tainted with these kind of calculations? Wouldn't you rather be free of all that? And free of feeling like you have to make judgments of people and weigh them? Well, this one I could get a deal off without that one. Eh. Wouldn't it be nice to just not have to worry about that? And remember, of course, Jesus says, you know, in this life, you probably won't get rewarded for that. But I will reward you, and I will remember that. And I will remember that at the resurrection. The resurrection that Jesus, that we always talk about is the heavenly banquet. There's a reason you, may, you, you, may, you include at your earthly banquet, you are welcomed at the heavenly banquet and the resurrection of the righteous. Amen.